1: Christmas, the celebration of God becoming man and dwelling among us. What a marvelous time to celebrate this truth. And we'll do so today as we continue our look at Isaiah chapter 9 here on Abounding Grace. the last couple of programs we've explored Isaiah chapter 9. Our focus has been on this amazing prophecy that Isaiah gives us, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. It is that truth we will explore one more time today as we celebrate Christmas this week. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at
2: reformedheritage.org with today's Abounding Grace. Would you just die to preserve the Bible? You may think, well, I have the Bible. That's kind of a dumb question. Well, maybe. But you know, people were murdered. People spent their whole lifetime translating God's Word in the language of the people because the Roman Catholic Church had put the Bible in the vernacular on the banned list of forbidden books. Can't read it. Why? Because Roman Catholicism's settings, trapping, ceremonies, system of pittance were not in the Bible. So the least amount of people who read the Bible, the less the church's difficulties against their corrupt system. What brought that down? People wanted the Bible for themselves to study, so men died for the Bible. But we've lost that sense. Jesus has brought in this age for us, but we have the very and we have the very thoughts of God in the Bible. And I know that this sounds crazy in 2016. After all, there's Twitter and there's Google and there's Facebook. And then maybe we can fit in a little time for God's Word. Beloved, the Bible is the most powerful thing in the world today. Why do you think in this nation the government does not want millions and millions of our young people to be exposed to the Bible in schools? Why do you think? Well, we're just being religiously neutral, aren't we? Really? You know, recently in New York City, the public school had the kids sing, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. Come on. What's the real issue here? Unbelievers are afraid of God's word. They hate it. And sadly, the church today says, oh, let's just give a little snippet, a sermonette to make you feel good. We don't want to hear expository preaching, but through the lowly means of God's preaching, my friends, is how God will usher in his victory. Notice Isaiah says, through his reign upon the throne of David, there will be no end to the increase of his government of or of peace. Now, this is where we have to depart from our dispensational premillennial brothers because they are still looking for a Jewish millennium. In Acts 2, we are told when Jesus definitively sat on the throne of David, he ushered in the millennium. He took the reins and he now rules. It's not a future millennium someday in Palestine. Listen to Peter's Pentecost sermon in Acts 2.29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is most dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, God would raise up Christ to sit on his throne... Seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which we now see and hear, For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So David saw by faith, because he was a prophet that his son, who would also be his Lord, and would sit on his throne, but a greater throne, and that he would be at the right hand of his father. So when Isaiah sees on the throat of David Christ the Lord, we are not to think, oh, if only we could preserve the national boundaries of modern Israel today, so that Jesus could now have a seat to sit on. No, beloved, he has been sitting on his throne for 2,000 years, the true throne of David, when the Father raised him from the dead and put him at his right hand. Also in verse 7, and over his kingdom to order and establish it with justice and judgment. He is also going to establish his kingdom in righteousness. And you know, by the way, some people say if Jesus is really... The Prince of Peace, verse 6, why is there so much war? It's very simple. Because the peace that Jesus brings is when men submit to his righteous scepter. When they don't submit, they don't get peace, they get war. So, in fact, one of the great proofs and evidences in our day that Jesus Christ is actively reigning is the incredible turmoil and bloodshed, by Western nations and other parts of the world, because we do not submit to the righteous scepter of Christ. If you don't submit, beloved, he will kill you with it. Because men love death who don't love Christ. I know no one wants to hear this. I don't like it. It's very uncomfortable. But if we don't believe it, we might as well just go home. We're not talking about a Jesus myth here. This isn't just a Christmas story. He is either crucified, raised from the dead, exalted, ascended and reigning or let's just all go home. And since he is crucified in weakness, raised from the dead, ascended in power, reigning at the right hand of the Father, what we see going on throughout the world is what Paul called in Colossians and First Thessalonians and what John spoke of in the book of Revelation, the wrath of the Lamb. No one wants to hear about the wrath of the Lamb on Christmas, right? Oh, just let me hear about the sweetness of the baby. You know, babies are so innocent and they smell so good. That's what we want to hear on Christmas. But, beloved, there's only one way to get that sweetness. And it is to bow before the Lamb of God and to submit to him and confess your sins and believe on him. Because if you don't, he doesn't just say, oh, well, I'm a pluralist anyway. Oh, well, it's different strokes for different folks. He says, believe in Jesus alone or suffer my eternal wrath. That is why we believe in him. And sometimes in history, we see the wrath unfolding before our eyes, and we need to be fleeing to Christ. We need to be clinging to the Savior and walking in obedience to him. Now look at the last line of verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. That is very important addition because when the bombs are falling, It seems silly for a preacher like Isaiah to stand up and talk about a child of promise. Isaiah, we don't need a child of promise coming some time off into the future. We need a general now. What have you got for us? Do you have any secret weapons? Do you have any bombs for us? How about a president on a white horse who will solve all of our problems? That's what we want In this culture. No, we just need to be quiet before the Lord and be settled under his authority. So how in the world is this kingdom going to be built? It seems impossible. We're not really going to be able to make kingdom progress as things are now. But God says, listen, stop looking at all those grasshoppers out there. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. We forget this. We want sweetness and light. Well, here it is. God is zealous. The Father is zealous for His Son. He loves no one more than He loves His Son. And he has made promises to his son. And let me tell you just a couple. In Isaiah 53, he promised his son as the mediator of the covenant, 53.10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And remember, the father is the one who bruised him. He has put him, the son, to grief. For thou shalt make his soul an offering. For sin he shall see his seed. That is the Old Testament way of talking and saying that he will see a multitude of his descendants He shall prolong his days and the pleasures of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He, the father, shall see of the travail of his, the son's soul. This is such a mystery. You know, on the one hand, the father turns away from his son and forsakes him because he becomes sin for us. But on the other hand, the father knew and planned his travail as his son was obedient to death. What love was this? Even in the cross between father and son, as the son said, I'm going to lay down my holy, sinless soul on the altar of obedience to my father because nothing makes me happier than obeying and doing the will of the father with whom I was always with him, daily his delight. And the father says, I see the travail of your soul and I will be satisfied. And by the knowledge of you, my son, shall be my righteous servant to justify many, for he shall bear the, their iniquities. Therefore will I, says God, divide him a portion with the great, because he poured out his soul unto death and was numbered among the transgressors. You see, the father has made promises to his son, and this is just a few of them. God says, when everyone doubts my kingdom, no, Lord, the gospel is too silly for the day. People are too distracted. You can't use old weapons anymore. But God says, remember my zeal. My friends, this is my war, my earth, my kingdom. And I never want, I never forget what my son has done. When he has numbered among the transgressors and poured out his soul unto death. Beloved, think on these verses. Because there are some dynamics here for us today. One, rejoice because the light that was promised in Isaiah chapter 9 has now come. We have the light of the world. Now, the problem is we may not be enjoying it as we could be. But we have it. Paul says we are light ourselves in the Lord. We don't live in that gloom. You might say, yeah, but the times are gloomy. Granted. But there is one sense in which those times are not my times or your times. Yes, we are in them. We are part of them. But Jesus is working out his purposes and building his church and his kingdom through them. His gospel has very historical manifestations, for kings will come and lay down their gifts in churches all over the world to the Lord of hosts and the King of kings. So, where is the real darkness? The darkness is in those who have not bowed to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And that is where the gloom is. Christians, you should never be gloomy. Now, granted, our sins can make us gloomy for a time. But if you're walking with Christ and abiding in His Word, there is joy and there is hope. Ours is a paradigm, but not leading to death like the city of man. We are going from strength to strength. Our paradigm is of the resurrection, crucified in weakness and lived by the power of God. Do you know the light of the world? Beloved, then you will rejoice. You will not have a gloomy perspective. Yeah, I know things are bad in Washington, D.C. I know things are bad in Sacramento. Yeah, I know things are even bad on Main Street. And yeah, I know things are bad in the Middle East. But God has given the answer. And if men don't want it and they reject it, then they will be filled with gloom. And by the way, that answer... Is Christ. But that's why people are protesting and crying in the streets and on college campuses in Hollywood. They have rejected the light. Beloved, the church is the light of Christ, so rejoice. Number two, fight. Fight. Take up the weapons. You serve a great king. Use his word. Live before an open book. Don't leave it closed on a shelf. Because that's the will of the king. It is the word of the king. Get on your face before the king. Plead his help. You ask, well, how do you know this will work? Because the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it, he says. And this is... What he uses, weak means. In closing, beloved, I want you to remember something. Unbelieving men may come up with some very clever ways to look like they're doing something important in this world. Uh, But the devil is not a creator, he is a mimicker, he is a murderer. And always remember, he has a cross sticking right out of his head. His skull has been crushed. And when we look out on our times and think, you know what? I'm just tired. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm, going to be too in- I'm, I'm not going to be too involved in anything. I don't want to make a stand for righteousness. I just want to lie low. Please remember, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this through your faithfulness. And the Father is zealous for promoting the church, the gospel, and the kingdom of his Son. So one of our prayers for the new year should be, Lord, give me that settled sense of joy and confidence That no matter what I see with my eyes, overall, you reign as king and you are zealous for the interest of your son. By the way, we may not see it in America, but missionary societies of late have reported that in most of the world's countries today, with just a few exceptions, the gospel is growing quicker than the native birth rate. Except for here, in France and Great Britain and a handful of others. But in the majority of the world's population, the gospel is spreading and the church is growing. Why? Because God doesn't care who's running the government ultimately or who's running the corporations. He cares about one thing. I'm going to promote the kingdom, the church, and the people of my son. And beloved, there is joy in that. Some of you are worriers just like me. And you wonder, what if the worst happens? What if it does? What did Jesus say? He said, don't fear people. All they can do is kill the body. But this is the only body I've got. Jesus says, don't fear those who can kill the body. Fear him who after he has killed the body is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Fear him and then you don't have to fear men. Yeah, but what if they round up Christians like they do in the Middle East? What if they do? Beloved as Christians, you have to remember, once you are dead, it will be much easier to worship our great and glorious God, and you will have no more complaints and no more worries. Yeah, but I live in America, and I want freedom and liberty. Okay, that has been our heritage here, but what have you done with it? Do we really deserve to keep it? Let me ask you an honest question. Based on what the church has done, with the blessings that God has given us in this land, do we deserve to keep our freedom? Do we deserve the freedom to worship without fear? And my answer has to be no. So every Sunday that goes by, And we can meet and worship. It is an added blessing and an added opportunity to seek the Lord with our whole heart. And to be faithful in the little things every day. Beloved Jesus Christ is the Lord of promise. Pray for the spread of his gospel and praise him for his goodness. Read and study his word so that you can effectively apply it to your life and the culture. Teach your children the law of God and how to glorify God in all that they do. Love your husband, your wife. Serve one another. Exhort one another to obedience. Have a time of personal worship, family worship. And do not neglect the gathering together in congregational worship and witness. Do not let those opportunities go by. Open your mouth. Speak God's truths boldly. Adore God, devote yourself to him, and never be afraid of what is going on in the world. Yes, we may suffer. But the zeal of the Lord of hosts will build the church and the kingdom of His Son. For unto us a child is born, a son has been given to us. The government rests on His shoulders. And His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of His government of peace. Beloved, have an optimistic eschatology. Because it is impossible... To stop a people who know that God is the victor. God has put his son on a holy hill in Zion. And his zeal is going to build his son's kingdom, his church and the gospel. That is what is going to win. If the church believes that, she will send out missionaries galore. Her young people will grow up and will no longer leave the church because there's something worth staying for there. Oh, my parents may may not be everything they should be, but there is truth and there is hope here. And that means that the sins that I'm dealing with in my life, well, there is a king on the throne and he will help me. So do you believe God is going to win? Well, he will win. He has promised us this. Oh, it may not be soon because there is much to do. But beloved, he is the promised victor. I want to leave you with Matthew 3.58. He, Jesus, did not do many works there because of their unbelief. Do you want him to do mighty works in your marriage? Do you want him to do mighty works with your children? In your congregation? In your place of business? Then you must rejoice in the light. Fight the good fight of faith. You've got to believe that Christ is truly the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And that he is in absolute control of all things. And you must remember that God is on the side of those who are kissing his son and looking to him alone as their Savior and their Lord. For unto us, a child is born. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven. We bless you for your goodness and for all the promises that you have given us. For the hope and the light and precious truths of your gospel. We do pray that of the increase of your son's kingdom there will be no end. And we thank you that you are even fulfilling this right now. No matter what we see going on around us. O Lord promote your gospel in this land. And put down those who hate your word. Bring them to ruin and shame or convert them. Forgive us for our doubts and increase our faith in your mighty works and zeal to subdue all things to your glory for Christ's sake. Amen. This has been
1: Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner, the Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us, a quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us. 408-866-5607. That's our phone number. 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB. That's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for Post Mailbox, number 402. 1484 pollard road los gatos california 95032 is the zip code if you'd like to know more about reformed heritage church of san jose or pastor gary wagner and abounding grace you can visit our website reformedheritage.org. that's reformedheritage.org. and leave us an email when you stop by let us know you paid us a visit You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless.